hello and welcome back to the Indie, the podcast from the newsroom of the Santa Barbara Independent. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Indie, the podcast from the newsroom of the Santa Barbara Independent. I'm Molly McEnany, the host of the Indie, and I'm here with none other than Charles Donnellan, executive arts editor for the Independent, to talk about the fall and holiday arts and music shows and the cover story for this upcoming week, amongst other exciting things that are going to be coming up in the new year for arts. Hi, Charles. It's been a minute since you've been on the pod, but I'm happy to have you back. Hi, Molly. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Almost, almost. So I wanted to talk about the piece that you're going to be writing or finishing writing for next week's publication about this music education program. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, I've been uh, hanging out a bit and interviewing and learning about the Turner Foundation Music and Imagination Program. And this is a program that's running at the Village at Santa Barbara. It was formerly known as Casa Perdido. It's on West Cannon Perdido. And it is basically at this time, it's a one-man show. The one man is named David Rojas. He grew up in Santa Barbara. He went to City College. And he is a very accomplished musician, multi-instrumentalist, guitar player, pianist. But more importantly, at least for this story, he's a really interesting teacher and sort of mentor figure to a lot of young kids who are coming to the uh, learning center at the village over on West Cannon Perdido and participating in this multifaceted music program that he has created. It's a whole curriculum. He designed it himself. He's got, I think, about 40 students at this time. And I was so impressed. It's incredibly dynamic. And the kids are so enthusiastic about what they're doing. And the kind of twist, I don't know whether it's a twist or what it is exactly, but to me, one of the elements that really makes it distinctive, makes it stand out, is that these young kids, and most of them are between 12 and 15, are learning to play jazz music. Really complex, Miles Davis, Thelonious Monk, John Coltrane, even. And, you know, they're at the beginning stages, but... Basically, David has created this curriculum that's based on jazz and blues. And even though there is one aspect of this program where people can come in who want to rap and can, you know, work on their lyrics and and do some rapping, he's insisting that all the kids who are in a full-on program, who are full-time in the program, have to participate in this quite sophisticated process of learning to not only play great American standards and jazz classics, blues classics, they also have to learn to improvise. And it's just so much fun watching him work and seeing how he takes a kid who's really just, you know, getting their scales down, but he puts them in a context where they're with other young kids and they get a group going. And, you know, at first they're just playing scales in time, but eventually they get inspired and they start to kind of come up with little riffs and, and and pretty soon you've got this jazz band. So anyway, it's been really fun to work on this for me and also to put it in the context of what the Turner Foundation has done. It's a private philanthropy and they have invested eight figures in uh, multiple housing projects on the West side. First, they bought this one, the Casa Perdido and turned it into the village at Santa Barbara. And then more recently, they bought the San Pasqual apartment complex and turned that into what they're calling Lighthouse, 
Santa Barbara, and they are fully funded and mortgage insured through the FHA, and they have a cap where no one pays more than 30% of their income for their rent, and that's a permanent feature of this. So it's a pretty striking move in the context of Santa Barbara real estate to see you know well over 100 units that are now being offered to people at below market price and you know they're nice they're being fixed up they're doing a, they're doing a great job over there so that's what I'm working on David Rojas he'll be the cover story for January 6th the Thursday after the new year well that's very inspiring especially to kick off the new year with something like that and another thing that's been super inspiring to watch unfold has been this past fall and holiday music and arts show extravaganza that UCSB Arts and Lectures always puts on every year, which has been great, even this last year with all the things we've been battling with the pandemic. But I wanted to ask you what your favorite show that you saw this past fall was. Oh, you're really putting me on the spot. This is always such a tough question. I am going to cheat a little bit because I'm going to divide it into two. And I'm going to tell you my favorite music performance that I saw recently through actually arts and lectures. But also I'm going to talk a little bit about the ballet, the State Street Ballet Nutcracker that I saw a couple of weeks ago, which was just wonderful. So we have both been to the Arlington since uh, the return of UCSB Arts and Lectures to the Arlington. I know you saw the amazing My Bluegrass Heart. Amazing, yes. Bella Fleck concert. And I think it was about a week before that I was there for the first, the, the return, the first concert in 20 months for arts and lectures at the Arlington. And that was called A Very She and Him Christmas. And it was this really fun, kind of old-fashioned Christmas music show put together by the actress Zoe Deschanel and a man named M. Ward, who's a really good guitar player and great foil for Zoe Deschanel, who, I gotta say, really impressed me with her vocals. She could easily have had a career just in music. I mean, she had no trouble reaching the back of the balcony wow. of the Arlington with all of her fun Christmas music. And, you know, I, I go back and forth sometimes on Christmas music. You know, I don't care if I ever hear a little drummer boy again, but they didn't play it. So, you know, I have no complaints. And it was a fun, old-fashioned, kind of reminded me almost of the kind of Christmas television shows that people used to do for, you know, when there were just like three television networks. And it had a little bit of that feeling. There was a comedian that opened up and they brought him back out and it was just goofy, but it was just so much fun to be back and to have a great night. And I wanted to mention this, you know, we talked about this when we were prepping. I felt really comfortable. You know, they did a great job of checking everybody's vaccination at the door. I happened to have a seat empty next to me, which made me feel a little more comfortable. I was on the aisle, which was great. But people kept their masks on. It was a really well-behaved, good, compliant audience. And it was a really fun night. I agree. I think that the uh, indoor concerts have been very well-regulated with people with the door checking and making sure people are wearing masks. And it's very safe. I, too, had an open seat next to me when I went to see Bella Fleck for My Bluegrass Heart and we had a great time. We felt very comfortable too. It was really, really cold that night. So everyone was kind of bundled up and keeping the mask on almost made you a little bit warmer inside there. 
but they were great and everyone had just as much cheer. I know I was sitting in front of this family who, you know, bluegrass isn't a mainstream genre, but this was their Katy Perry, their Lady Gaga, and they were just so enthusiastic. And the music was very holiday for me too. You know, I saw, when was it? Last week on the 15th. They just played a great show. And, you know, anyone who went to that show maybe wasn't familiar with bluegrass. It's music that really makes you want to dance and Bella Fleck even at sometimes took a back seat and everyone had their solo moments and they played a lot of music from other bandmates that were on stage, Edgar Meyer's music specifically, as well as old standards that they revamped and made modern. And Sam Bush on uh, the mandolin, man, he was like a driving force. And I didn't think that the mandolin could be a percussion instrument, but he really changed my mind with that one. So that was awesome. We I had a great time with that too. So it was it was good to end the year with with a show back at the Arlington. So it was cool. You know, and and you got me going because there's been some really good stuff at the Lobero as well. I saw Adrian Linker there, the lead singer from Big Thief, and she did a solo set that I thought was just outstanding and really interesting, really thoughtful, deep lyrics and. Wow, you were saying that there were people at Bella Fleck for whom it was like their Lady Gaga. There were people at Adrian Lanker who I could see their lips moving. They knew all the words. And these are long songs with a lot of words. And it yes. was so impressive. Yeah. So that was fun too. Great to see that. And also, uh, I, I just had so much fun at the uh, Granada for the Nutcracker. I went on Saturday night and it was spectacular. And for a long time, I kind of resisted it because I just thought, well, you know, it's for kids or it's schmaltzy, it's, uh, it's old fashioned. And maybe I'm either regressing or becoming schmaltzy or I am old and therefore old fashioned, but I like it more every time I go. It's really fun, really interesting, crazy show. I mean, uh, the kids running around pretending to be mice. There's a rat king. There's all <laughs> kinds of weirdness in the Nutcracker. Yeah. And this production was just stunning. The design was so colorful and the dancers were terrific. I think they're in absolutely top form right now. So that was fun. Well, as we always say, we're so lucky in Santa Barbara to have so much arts. It's not even just like we have some concert venues. Between the Santa Barbara Bowl and all of the small theaters that we have and ballet and museums, it's we're very, very lucky to be able to have all of these amazing talent come through. But coming up for the New Year, specifically New Year's Eve with the Santa Barbara Symphony is the next show that I think is on the bill. Tell me about what people can look forward to. Yes, this is a tradition that they've had for as long as I've been in Santa Barbara, which is 20 something years, that they put on, essentially it's a pops concert is, uh, you know, the genre term people use. And they typically bring in a great singer. In years past, it's been conducted by a guy who specializes in this, name is Bob Bernhardt, but because of some circumstance, I don't want to speculate, but I assume something to do with Omicron or, or the situation, there's a last-minute substitution, and Kostis Protopapas, the artistic director and conductor of Opera Santa Barbara, will be taking the stage with the Santa Barbara Symphony, so that's first. Love Costis is incredibly charismatic, and they will do an evening of Gershwin. And uh, it's just such great music for celebration. So that's 8.30 to, you know, usually around 10, 10.30. I think it fits in perfectly with, with my kind of New Year's Eve schedule, which is where you get the most of it done before 
anybody's uh, popping the champagne corks. Although there will be champagne. I believe there will be a champagne toast. So that's fun. And, you know, the symphony will come back rather quickly after that because they have a weekend, January 15 and 16, Saturday and Sunday, that is actually one of the big events of the year for the classical music community. And Akiko Myers is a wonderful world-renowned violinist who actually has connection to Santa Barbara. I believe she grew up here, at least partly, and has family here. And she will be premiering. Well, it's not the premiere because she premiered a violin concerto that was written for her based on uh, Spanish and, and Mexican music that's called the Fandango Concerto. And she premiered at the Hollywood Bowl with the L.A. Phil and Gustavo Dudamel over the summer. Got rave reviews. People loved it. And now this is only, I think, probably the third time. I think she played it up in Seattle. And so that's coming up January 15 and 16. That's a big deal. And just really interesting to see more of this Latin crossover classical music that is coming to the fore, especially here in Southern California, and especially under the influence of Gustavo Dudamel and then great artists like Ann Myers. More classical music, actually, even before then, the Community Arts Music Association, or CAMA, as we call it, on January 11th, it's a Tuesday night, they're going to have the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, no less, and they will be at the Granada, and that is going to be spectacular. A lot of us were kind of concerned that the big symphony orchestras, especially coming all the way from Europe, would just not want to do that anymore as a result of all the concerns that COVID has brought, but fortunately that's not the case, and this should be an amazing concert, and it kicks off a whole season of famous international orchestras playing at the Granada, thanks to CAMA, and also thanks to the Music Academy. They're going to collaborate in March. So we get those two, and then I'm just going to throw out one more, because this is all within the first month, first three weeks even, of the new year, on that same January 15, 16 weekend, but I believe the dates are the 14th and the 16th for the Opera Santa Barbara performance of the opera Semele, and that will be at the Libero. And if you haven't caught any of the Opera Santa Barbara performances this year, check this out. Um, It's a Baroque opera, which maybe not everybody is as familiar with. But I think with the opera, where a lot of the operas are very familiar, that's probably a good thing. And the uh, performers are going to be spectacular. He's recruited some of the best Baroque singers in the world for this production. And you'll see them with only a relatively small group of other people because the libero is only about 600 seats. So that's what we get coming up. Classical. There's other stuff for, uh, for people who love popular music, too. Yeah, a very classical rundown for the beginning of the new year, but that's great because those shows are really fun and everyone always says how much they, you know, enjoyed them, but couldn't believe, couldn't even expect that they were going to enjoy it as much as they did. Thank you for your rundown, Charles, talking to me about your cover for next week. Everybody look out for that. That's a great story. And cheers to another year of great, great independent journalism. We love it. And congratulations to you on your debut here in 2021 as the host of the Indie Podcast and a successful run now. Well done. Uh, You have been amazing in your ability to jump in and keep up and do great work for us. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We'll check those out, everybody. Thanks, Charles, for coming on the pod again. Always happy to have you and happy new year. Yeah. Happy new year. 
Once again, I'm Molly McEnany, host of the Indie. Tune in next week for another episode.